0: Okay, hey guys, we're going to dive into this, so make sure you take your workbook out. I want, us to, uh, I want us to settle in just a minute here, and I want us to pray together and really gear our minds and our hearts towards what we're going to teach tonight. Um, so go ahead and flip open your workbook to Lesson 1. The Scripture is there, Colossians 1, to 1-14. Colossians 1, to 1-14 is what we'll cover tonight. And uh, I should answer most of the questions as well. And Ruth, I where'd she go? What time? Uh, oh, what time are we? What time am I ending again? 45. Okay, cool. Um, so let me do this. Let's bow our heads, guys. And uh, whatever happened this week, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, let's let it go. Whatever happened today, let's let it go. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to shape our hearts and minds now to focus on one thing, and that's Him. Uh, tonight, and let's pray together for the Spirit to move in our lives as a community and as a body. Heavenly Father, we we pray for uh, the eyes of our heart to be opened. We want to see you, and we want to see the Scriptures clearly. We want to know how you do this powerful, transformative work in our lives. And uh, whatever happened this week, Father, for those who are in Christ, we know that your grace always jumps over our, our, our shortcomings, our sin. And so we pray that uh, not a soul would be discouraged here, but, but only hope would remain in our lives. And whatever is, is, is so heavy on the soul tonight, may your Holy Spirit and your grace, the thought of Christ on the cross and what he accomplished, may he wash all guilt away from the conscience. And may you raise the heart back up and open the heart with joy and excitement to learn again and to be that that student, that follower of Jesus. We yield now. Uh, We yield our minds, our wills, our hearts. And we have faith tonight, but we we ask that you help our unbelief. We want to know your your spirit's work in our lives. Uh, so, So release your power. Release your presence. And we will exalt you as we see the change. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you have a Bible, we're in Colossians 1. If you don't, uh, you can use your workbook. And if you don't have a workbook, see myself or Ruth uh, or Bridget, uh, who was out at the table beforehand, and we'll get you a book. I'm going to move fairly quickly as I am very short on time uh, tonight. But um, guys, pay special attention tonight. This is the single truth that changed my life. This is the single truth that changed my life. So really, really focus in tonight. I was down at one of the new coffee shops um, down Valencia this morning, and uh, there was uh, all kinds of people there. And as I was sitting there, I'm an eavesdropper. Yeah, don't hang out with me. Um, but I heard a young lady say this. Listen to this, guys. And she was talking to a young man, she was probably in her mid-20s, she said this, I'm finally becoming free. And right away, I stopped. Uh, right away, I'm, 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 I'm a skeptic when it comes to that. What, is it, what exactly does that mean? And, and can anybody really truly be free? And she goes on to say, be, I'm becoming who I want to be. I'm finally becoming free. I'm finally becoming who I want to be. Think about that. Isn't that our own life cry? Isn't that our own heart cry of really every human being? And isn't that the narrative of San Francisco? How many of you guys would agree with that? Um, That's why so many people come to this city, um, looking for a refuge, a city of refuge, to finally break free and find self. Let me ask you a question. This would be a great question to write down. Is anybody really free? Is anybody really free? And what a really hard question to ask in this city. And you say, well, what do you mean? You better work that out, because I do believe I'm free. Um, while we all want to be free, I want you to understand a little bit about human nature. Aren't, aren't humans designed to emulate? How many of you guys would agree with that? Aren't we designed to emulate? When a baby is born, how does a baby or a child develop? Yeah, we could call it the doctrine of emulation. Um, we are emulators by design. Now, if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, what you notice is this is God's, God's design for us. He created Adam so Adam could watch... The father, God, when God came and walked with him in the garden, and Adam would develop character through watching God. And then Adam would have children, and those children would watch Adam, and they would develop character by emulating Adam, and so goes the story. We are all emulating something. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you are in your 80s or if you are 18, we are all developing character through emulating something. Nobody's free of that. And uh, in a good, healthy way, I would love to have anybody challenge that. Uh, In a good, healthy, uh, loving way, I would love to have that conversation. But I want you to think about that. We are all forming our character after something or someone right now. We're becoming somebody. There's There's nothing that's stagnant in the human heart. We're all watching, we're all studying, we're all conforming into something. And really the only question is, what or who is it who's influencing us and that we're emulating and becoming like? Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Um, Even searching my own heart um, as I was looking at this, like, wow, I am becoming a disciple of somebody or something. Who is that? And really this, this is the entire aim of the gospel. So here's question one in your workbook. This is the entire aim of the gospel. When we say the gospel, like what is the gospel? And we say, well, it's Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus died for our sins um, to remove the sin guilt so we could be received back to God and have fellowship with God. And through faith, if you will believe in Jesus and come to him for the forgiveness of sins, you can have fellowship with the Father again. We say that's that's the gospel, and, and if you believe in the rapture, wherever you stand with that, it's kind of like, okay, we're all just kind of waiting to get out of here. You know what I'm saying? This is kind of the modern day theology, and really, being saved, what we call being saved, or having your sins forgiven, guys, please get this, that is the very beginning of salvation. And that is the, that is the, the first step into the house called salvation of the gospel, the gospel is designed to make us like someone. Who is that? That's the end all. That's the telos, if you will, of Christianity. It is, it is the design to not only have our sins forgiven, but to give us the spirit of Jesus so the spirit of Jesus can begin to form our spirit into the likeness of Jesus. Now, that if you're a Christian, that is a really awesome, awesome, thrilling promise. If you're not a Christian, I hope you're really considering being a Christian over that promise. Jesus was pretty awesome, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the low guy low, you know, the veggie tail guy or whatever. I mean, he was so radically countercultural, so cause-driven, so adventurous, and ran with such an amazing crew of people transforming them, uh, it would be a great life to become like Jesus Christ. So look at Colossians 1 and look at verse 2, and here's kind of where we stop. Uh, I'm sorry, 1-1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, so he's writing a letter to a church by the will of God, so he's made an apostle by God's choosing, and Timothy, our brother, so Timothy's his his sidekick, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So he's writing to a church in the city of Colossae, Colossae. and watch what he does at the end of verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So what does the gospel bring to you? Grace and peace. You only get peace with God through the grace of God, through accepting Christ as your Savior and the grace that He wants to pour out to you. Now, again, we often start there, but that's only the beginning of the gospel. Look at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for your church. Paul's saying, Since we heard of your faith or your salvation in Christ Jesus, you're saved through Christ Jesus. And of the love that you have for all the saints, so they become a church, they become a community of people, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, so okay, we're going to heaven, great, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, the gospel has made a way for you to go to heaven, but there's more, verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, that means All races can be saved. It's not a Jewish thing. It's a global thing. It is bearing fruit and growing. The gospel is spreading to all races. Now watch this. As it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now hidden in verse 6 is the key to understanding what God wants to do in your life. He says the gospel has come to you. It's gone to the whole world. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing. That's the design of being saved. Um, The Holy Spirit wants to bear fruit in your life and grow you. What in the world does it mean to bear fruit? What is that? Galatians 5.22. Someone give me a couple Galatians 5.22, 23 things. Joel, stand up and say it really fast. That was sweet. Guys, God wants to grow that in your life. You, you think about this right here. How would that change your life if you could grow in, in love, in joy, in peace, in patience? What if you could become that type of person more and more and more? I mean, what, what, what happens if someone my age, I'm 22 right now? What? You guys are laughing at me? Okay, okay, okay. So I'm 38 years old. Now, what if I could grow in love, joy, peace, patience, all of these amazing attributes of Jesus Christ until I was 90 years old? What kind of life would that be? That would be amazing. And if you're struggling here tonight, that's the hope that we have, that these things can grow. Those things would radically change a marriage or or your your journey of singleness or how you view yourself or how you treat other people or a workplace. If we could tap into how to grow and release more and more love and joy and peace and patience in our lives. But it's verse 9, the will of God, that this happens. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, check this out, guys. What Paul just said there, and he kind of speaks some psycho babble sometimes, so it's hard to unravel. God's primary will for us is to learn how to become the new us. And we can say it like this in biblical terms, the new us is this, it's Christ in us working out. Paul talks about that in Philippians. The new you is you and Christ as one, and Christ's spirit in you releasing himself, his attributes, love, joy, peace, patience. We always talk about the will of God. How many of you guys are looking for the will of God in some area? You know, should I move? Should I change jobs? Should I marry him? Should I not marry him? Should I, you know, how many of you guys are there? Okay, that's not wrong. We do want to seek those things and seek those things in community together. But the overwhelming primary will of God is for us to become a type of person, not necessarily a place. And oftentimes when we think of finding God's will, we often think of, again, a place, a spouse, a job, and God is radically more concerned with who we're becoming before he reveals what he wants us to do. And here's why. It's, it's rather simple. It's not easy to get there. If we, come, if we become the right people, we'll have the right motives and desires, and we'll make the right choices most of the time. So character formation is the primary goal of the gospel, making us like Jesus Christ. Look at Colossians 1.10. So in verse 9, he says, look, this is the will of God. This is the will of God. What is the will of God? Verse 10. So as to walk, what did I tell you last week? Walk always means in the Bible. Good. Live a lifestyle. Write that down. To live a lifestyle. So the will of God is that we live a lifestyle in a manner or that reflects the Lord Jesus Christ's life, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. In every good work, those, those, those beautiful things of love, joy, peace, patience, those are beginning to come out and, and saturate people around us and increasing and increasing and increasing in the knowledge of God. The more we learn about God and how he deals with people, the more we can begin to act like God and those things begin to come out of our lives. But I want you to understand, guys, the primary will of God overwhelmingly is character formation or becoming like Jesus Christ. It's Go ahead and answer it. It's, it's a totally safe place. Um, again, we're getting that ringtone, uh, Amazing Grace or some Chris Tomlin or something cool. So as we're awaking, awakening more and more into the likeness of Jesus the what and the where's of life are going to overwhelmingly fall into place because we'll begin to have proper desires as we become like Jesus. So I have tried to simplify my life, and it's not that easy, but I have tried to simplify my life. I have a marriage. I have a ministry, a job. I've got all these things. Um, I've tried to simplify my life to this. John, if you can become like Jesus, most of this stuff is going to fall into place. But just becoming like Jesus is really hard. So the big question we're hoping to answer is, how does God accomplish this in our lives? What's the starting point? I mean, that's kind of a big thing to swallow, like, hey, become like Jesus, and everything will begin to kind of come together. Where do we start? Where do we start? Well, I think most of us, because we think God is spirit, most of us naturally say we need a radically, you know, super spiritual experience to become like God, and I am so for that. I am am overwhelmingly for that beautiful experience. And it's almost disappointing when you find out the primary mode that God uses to change your soul and to make you like Jesus. It's it's almost disappointing. The starting point, and and this would be a great text to write down in um, Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. The primary starting point is the minds. How many of you guys agree with that? How I many you guys think I'm crazy? Oh, well, oh no, A, hey, you. That's cool. We, we need one at least. And if you look at Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, Paul, I want you to underline, and we won't go through it tonight. I'm, I'm almost out of time. I want you to underline every time Paul uses the word mind. He says people who are not Christians, you know, the, the, the problem, and if you're not a Christian, this isn't an attack on you. It's just it's something to wrestle with. Um, but, but what he says is the problem is in the thinking, the thinking, the thinking's wrong. Um, we are as we think, we are as we feel. And so what he does is he says, but now we have the mind, the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Think, thought, think, 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 think. I mean, he, he uses it constantly as if that's the, the starting point of the root to this transformative work of Jesus, the mind, the thought life. And if you think about, like, why the mind's? Think of the term born again. We don't usually use that term. Think of the term born again. Uh, When someone becomes a Christian, Jesus says you're born again or born from above. And if you think about a baby when they're born, what do we need to do to develop a baby? We need to feed that baby milk and then work with the thinking, the, the cognitive processes of the brain to teach it. All the ways of life, what not to eat, stop, don't pick that up, take it out of your mouth, take it out of your mouth, don't hit your brother, we have to teach the baby. Now, if we're born again and we're spiritual infants in Christ, basically our Father needs to teach us everything afresh and, and give us new ways to process all of life. How to deal with marriage, how to deal with image, how to deal with self, all of those things. So just as newborns, we have to be taught how to live life in all aspects. When I got saved, 21 years, 20 years of no Christian background at all, absolutely none. When I got saved, my mind was totally backwards. I knew I did not know the ways of God, and that's why I was having the problems I was having. I had a church and a community that said, hey, we want to reteach you the ways of God through the Bible. And through reteaching and retraining your mind, action is going to follow. Make sense? So we're going to go into this more, uh, but for now, here's what I want to do. You're like, okay, let's go after this. Every time we begin to teach this, people are like, give it all to me, give it all to me. Well, we're going to go through this in the next probably four weeks. Uh, But for now, I want to tease this out. I want to give you two practical steps that you can begin to work on to begin renewing your minds, learning the ways of Jesus through the Word of God and saying, wow, I'm off here Here's how God says do it. Here's how Jesus says do it. If I can get my mind working that way, my behavior will catch up, and I'll, I'll literally see transformation in my life. So two ways real quick, and Bernie, if you could hit that. Oh, you got it. Very nice. Um, write these down, you guys, and meditate on them. They, have, they, they can be a part of the discussion as well uh, if you would like. These are the two things that I personally do daily uh, in my life, and God is changing me every day. Number one, make a daily science of your thoughts. Most people are completely unaware of the way they think, and yet your thoughts are controlling your life. How you think about you, who are you to you? Do you know how you? Do you know the story you keep telling yourself about you? How do you think about others? Um, When you're at work and there's a coworker or or whatever's happening there, um, do you know how? Are you are you paying attention to how your thoughts are running? Um, if you're in a vice, if you have a sinful vice that you keep falling into, are you aware of what happens in your minds, that first thought that clicks, that makes you start moving into that sin? We have to make a science of self. Um, so I came to the place where I had to begin to study every thought, like, John, be aware of how you're thinking right now. I went through this phase of fearing people, like fearing their opinion. Now I, I don't care what you think about me. No. Um, But I had to become very intentional as I walked down the street or I went into work. Man, be aware of how you're thinking about what people must be thinking about you. And that's really the first step. Do you know the places in your mind and in your heart that are far from the thoughts of God? You can find those areas of life by asking a certain question What is it like to be on the other side of me? That would be a really tough but good question to start with. What is it like to be on the other side of me? But I want you guys to begin to think about that. How am I thinking? What are these thoughts, 30 to 50,000 thoughts that are flying through my head every single day, every single day, which are controlling my behavior? What if you could begin to spot the ones that are outside of alignment with God's Word? And what if you could... Go into God's word and say, wow, I'm going to write down a few of these thoughts. Like, I'm, I'm depressed because I still think about what I don't have. And it's creating depression. What does God say about living without? Does that make sense? So number one, make a daily science of your thoughts. Be aware of the thoughts going through your head. And then number two, very quickly, find scripture that counters the thoughts and feast on it all day. For every sinful thought running through our mind, which is creating damaging behavior, there is a Bible verse to counter it. And if you work it and work it and work it into your mind and counter it over and over again, you will create a new thought pattern, a new thought habit. And pretty soon your behavior will become second nature. In Colossians 3 8, he has five sins that he lists. He says, get rid of them. And it's like, well, how, Paul? In Colossians 3.12, he has five new thoughts, one for each faulty thought. And so I have, I have made a science of my own thinking and said, John, you're struggling with the fear of man. What does the scripture say about it? Man, I'll write that scripture down. I've written them on my hand before. I'll memorize those scriptures, and I'll take it with me all day and combat the thought until the Holy Spirit weakens that thought, and I, I begin to retrain my mind on how to see people in the way they view me. We just keep going through those one at a time. What's the next thought and the next thought and the next thought? And this, this is the process of being aware of those bad thoughts running through your mind, and when that thought comes, you can preach God's thoughts at your mind and fight those sinful thoughts off. Psalm 42, why are you downcast, soul? He's preaching to himself. He says, hope in God. We don't need to be depressed. There's God." And what happens is this eventually becomes a new thought habit, overcoming the old thoughts. This is going to be the radical theme, overwhelming theme of the book of Colossians. So I'm going to challenge you this week to do one thing because this can be overwhelming. Find that heaviest thought. Be intentional about analyzing the way you think. Find that thought that you know is a lie and that's tearing you down. Write it down and search the Scriptures. Um, Call or email someone at your table. Say, hey, what does the Scripture say to counter this? And, and feast on that and preach it to yourself all week and watch what happens by the time we meet next week.